Perspectives, which is a series of inspiring conversations with remarkable working women, leading very busy and successful lives. And that most definitely describes my guest today, Evan Shutt, who is the CEO of 72 and Sunny. Welcome. Thank you. Thanks for having me. It's great to be here. Great to catch up. I so appreciate you taking the time to talk with me. I know how busy you are. And I think the best place I was thinking about where we should start because there's so much to talk about. And I think you've had such an extraordinary journey with 72 and Sunny, one that so many people would aspire to, and yet it so few would have. I mean, you joined the company, if I'm right, when they were five people, and you were with this incredible growth, five global offices, 700 people. Now you're CEO. <laughs> what has it been like to be part of such an incredible evolution and growth? Crazy, exciting, amazing, hard, all of those things. You know, I uh, I feel like I have to do a better job of stopping to reflect on it, to be honest, because it has been such a builder mode of like, well, this is just what we have to do to survive from the early days till today. I think just the mentality of a startup and an entrepreneur is like still strong at 700. <laughs> um, and, you know, thanks one in part to a pandemic and two to the changing landscape. But I think it's also just our mindset. Um, so, you know, for me, it's just been such a crazy learning experience of like, okay, well, there's no one to do that. So we have to go figure it out. Um, and I think that's allowed me to just a little bit be fearless about what else we could do and where we could go, because I was a part of it when, you know, we would meet with companies and try and pretend we were bigger than we were, or we weren't held together by popsicle sticks, um, which I, creates kind of a fearlessness of like, okay, well, we can try that. We can try that. And for me personally, as someone who uh, is very routine in my personal life uh, to be in this industry, it's really taught me to be comfortable in the gray areas because um, creativity and, you know, you can't have it on a set timeline and, and things develop and change and the exploration and the beauty that comes in that, both from a personal standpoint and from a business standpoint. So now I know from knowing you and working with you over the years that you're a very humble person. So I ask this from an advice point of view. Do you think that there's a particular quality that you have that has allowed you to grow and, and most importantly, adapt and now lead so successfully through the years? I think a big one is just a learner first. Mm -hmm. You know, I, uh, because I came into this industry as, I mean, I was a teacher before I, I had to approach it as like, I don't know what that is. I remember like back in the day, I call with a client talking about a mechanical and hanging up and turning to John Boiler and being like, what is that? <laughs> um, and kind of, you know, just willing to ask and learn. And I do that today, every day, even in my role now of, show up wanting to learn and, and be surprised and expect that there's things I don't know, um, I think is so important. You know, I, I tend to think experts look back and refer from things that they've done and why that was the right thing. And I think learners show up with a curiosity and wanting to find out more. And that allowed me to wear a lot of different hats, to understand how business affairs work, to understand how production works, to understand um, what goes on inside a client's business. And so that curiosity and learner, I think has just been critical of like, it's okay not to know it and to ask the questions and then want to understand finance, want to understand these different qualities. And, uh, you know, the thing that goes hand in hand for that, for me, and just kind of my own philosophy has been like, just create the opportunity for yourself, which I think like, if you learn 
how production works, then that creates the opportunity if I want to go in that direction. If I learn how finance works, that creates the opportunity. Um, and now I look at how do I create the opportunity through others and help develop those learning environments. That makes so much sense. And also you mentioned one thing about asking questions, because I think a lot of people, either they're older, not that this necessarily has to do with age, but either they're older and they feel like they should already know that, so they're not going to say, or they're younger and they feel also like they haven't learned that yet, but they don't want to show what they don't know. But there, there is no shame in asking to know, to learn what you don't know, right? Oh my gosh. Yes. The number of times early on I sat in like a client meeting and had questions, but was too nervous to ask it. And then afterward, when I'd ask it in like the safe space of our team and realized no one else knew either. uh, And if we'd asked how much quicker we could have moved together versus having to set up another call or send an email. And so I do it all the time. And I, I just, I say, I ask, I don't know what that acronym stands for. What is that? Especially in today's day and age, you've got all these different metaverse and everything merging together where I'm like, I don't understand. Can someone, what are we talking about? Or creator versus influencer. This just came up recently. And I was like, can we just get clear on what we're talking about and the difference between the two? Because they're, you know, um, ask the question, just ask it. I guarantee other people have the same question. Right. (laughs) Ask the question. So one of the things that has always been so amazing about 72 and Sunny is how you have always been before it was even trendy or cool, or everybody had to say that they were purpose-driven and values-driven and, you know, people first. That is really what the company is and what they, what you've grown on. How, has that changed over time? Has it? Should it? How, How does it translate into how you lead? I, you know, I would say being values-based has not changed. Our values, I think, are in the process of evolving. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it's one of the, the biggest things I've learned over the last probably five years, especially on our uh, journey to be anti-racist and, and how we best make sure we're a company that where people can feel like they belong and it's inclusive culture. Um, and so, you know, what what were our founding values and I think are, you know, on point and right. And Goddess obviously created a, a very long lasting, successful company to date, 18 years ago, need a tweak just to say it. You know, I think at the time I was like, those are our values and this is what they must be. And, you know, we really had a point of uh, a lot of employees coming to us and questioning some of it. And that was a hard moment because I could have chosen to like defend them or actually again, learn And I think now I look at that as the biggest gift because I think I have learned values. You know better, you do better. And that doesn't, you know, change that we're a values-based organization. But if our values aren't inclusive, that's who we set out to be from the start. We better evolve them and how they're implemented. And, And some of it might be the word, some of it might be how they're operationalized, but some of them might be the actual value. And there's a better way to say it. I actually think we are getting to fewer, smarter values. Um, at times, you know, there were sayings that were mixed in with values versus what it actually means and how it's something that can be um, personalized, but really manifest how we go about the world. That's, mm-hmm. that's you know, our ambition and how we do it. And I'm lucky to have be surrounded by incredible people at our company who are really helping lead us through it, which I also think is important. The values can't come just from leadership, the values have to come from who the company is and who the company wants to be. 
And you raise such a great point about people and to sort of tie it in with people and values. This has been a time of a lot of self-reflection for a lot of people and, you know, what's being dubbed the great resignation and people sort of look and think, well, how do I want to spend my days and my time and what I believe in? And you are an example, your agency, of a collective of incredibly smart people. How has this time affected how you keep talent? And for those that might be looking for a job, how you find talent? Oh, man, it's hard. And at the same time, really inspiring. You know, we we've had many people choose to leave to go different, do different things. And I think that's incredibly inspiring. This moment of like, reassessment. In fact, um, Tahira, one of our leaders at our company just last week used the term restoration, which I thought was a really inspired way to talk about what we're all going through and how to like approach these times human first has been such a priority for us. You know, I think we're doing a lot of the things other companies are doing of frequent surveys. How are you thinking? What do you want? Um, And trying to think about everything from like, okay, flexibility and freedom are big themes. So how do we look at that as an opportunity to accelerate change in what we're doing? We call it WFX, work from X, right? What is the role of an office? We've hired people from all over the world now who you know, have never set foot in our office and I don't know when they will. Um, so how do we change our culture and meet the needs of like the freedom and the flexibility with what we do? Um, and some of the other things we're, we're doing, we rolled out a seven week holiday calendar this year. Wow. You know? Yeah. And we were on a a new client meeting the other day and that had been a question. And the woman was like, is that a typo? And we're like, no, (laughs) you know, our observation is I've spent, you know, 18 years in this industry trying to be like, how do we make it more sustainable? And my aha was like, I think we just need more time for like restoration and recovery. Um, I'll never stop that other side. But like, if people have time to fill their cups and recover, then they can give their all when they're on and then they have time to go away and we have to make more time for that. So we're building that into our client contracts and agreements. And that's how we're going to keep people and grow people and not drain too much from them. Uh, We also launched this year, like, you know, we have unlimited PTO, but we're doing a mandated three weeks minimum and hiring a recovery coordinators whose job is going to be like, Hey, Katie, I see you haven't taken PTO yet. What's your plan? And get proactive of like, you you need to take three weeks. It doesn't all have to be together. In fact, probably won't be for most people, but two weeks or one weeks or long weekends. And how do we build on that to just encourage people to take time for themselves? Because so much, I think of what we've seen in the last two years is burnout Um, and burnout of like the best creative minds and problem solvers. So how do we help them? They have to like to bring what they need to bring to this job. They need to go off and be inspired. As humans, we need that. Um, So that's been our big, like, constant evolution, the spirit of learning, like, okay, what else can we do? How else can we think about it? Um, And, you know, as we're looking for people, we're having those conversations and we're, we're pushing boundaries on who hasn't been in this industry, who actually might make us better. Our yeah. chief growth officer um, who joined us, he's been here just this, his anniversary is this week, um, Damien Journey. He didn't come from this industry, but he had an incredible sales background and growth background at a ton of different industries. And one observation we had is like the biz dev engine in this industry tends to be people who just love biz dev, mm-hmm. who came into the industry somewhere else. And our observation was like, can we learn from people who are really good at growth and sales in other industries where they will have infrastructure and strategy and, and other ways around it? 
And he's been like a game changer for us. So looking outside the the obvious pools has been really helpful too. That makes a lot of sense. So you mentioned about how there's people working all over the world now. And for a lot of firms who've had to adjust to that, you know, because of the pandemic, whether that's going to stay or not, the idea that there will still be plenty of people who aren't coming to your office, there's a challenge where it's difficult to both make sure that you're really getting the credit you deserve, but also advocate for yourself if you're having a problem. I just wonder, are the, do you have any tips or ideas on the way people can stand out and be noticed in both of these circumstances? Yeah, it's hard. Yeah. You know, I, the advocating for yourself has a whole new level to it. Yeah. I do think, um, you know, every industry and corporation is having to figure out constant feedback and clarity and expectations. And for me, you know, if I was interviewing somewhere, the first question I would be like, where's the job description and what are the metrics for success? And mm-hmm. how do I look at it? And then I would make sure, one, if you don't have frequent one-on-ones with your manager, get them. <laughs> and two, use that as a guide for the conversations and solicit, you know, you have to be ready for the real feedback, which is like the other side of this. Like you may say you want it, but like you really have to want it yeah. and be open to learning, but, and track yourself against it. What can I do better? I, I, you know, assess yourself going into it with a manager of like, Hey, I, I think I'm pretty good at these three things. What do you think? I think I need to improve in these. Do you have tips? And then, you know, I think one-on-ones can tend to get very statusy of projects, but like my ambition is at least one of those. Every three is like, let's talk about where you're tracking. And I would encourage people to be proactive and bring that so that they're encouraging the conversation both from growth and it's a great way to bring visibility, especially if you're not comfortable touting you're like, look what I did, look at this. It's a great way to track your progress. So. That's excellent advice. So switching gears a little bit, um, besides being the CEO of a hugely well-recognized ad agency, you are a mother, a very involved mother, and this has been a bananas time, which obviously is like the biggest understatement ever. But are there some things that you're doing for yourself or doing differently as a working parent that perhaps you can share with us? Oh man, this has been so uh, crazy. And uh, sorry, as I have like something in my throat, I'm not even on the front line. So like for frontline workers and parents, like I, there's so much gratitude and love and grace for them. Um, and as, as anyone in this time as a parent, it's been so obviously challenging. I, you know, I have like two things for this year where I'm like the joy in it is a big thing I'm trying to find. I even told my kids we're going to laugh together every day because I think it has become such a, this is what we have to get done. And how do we do that? And, oh, don't, don't forget your mask, grab that stuff. And uh, for me, it's been letting go of a lot of things of like the house is a mess. We didn't have a healthy dinner last night. That's okay. And the expectations that we probably put on ourselves, um, really trying to focus on the quality time versus the quantity, which, you know, pandemic or not, when you have a demanding job, I think we can, I'll speak for myself, can be hard on myself about that um, and picking what those important moments are. I always like to say it's like a pendulum. I do not believe you can like balance it perfectly. Um, I think you just have to keep it swinging of like intense work week. I'm going to carve out time to walk the kids to school. 
um, and start a little later the next week and get ahead of it and plan for that. But um, I, I try to focus on the, those quality moments. You know, as a, a former educator, I know kids need to feel attention and power daily and love comes with that. And so even sometimes that's a 10 minute walk or 10 minutes reading um, or discussing over dinner. But I just keep trying to come back to the like, let the other expectations go. And that's the priority. So there's, there's been all of this, everywhere you read, it's all about self-care. And a lot of it is just so silly and who has time for it. And unless, you know, you're completely on your own, but as a working mom, big job, lots of responsibilities, do you actually find a way for yourself to be able to focus on yourself and take any time so that you're not feeling too burnt out? I'm probably not as good at it as I should be in full transparency. I think I go in waves of it. Um, Working out, I know I feel way better when I do that. Now I will like go on the like 5 a.m. wake up for weeks and then suddenly my kids will start waking up at 4.59 and, you know, climbing on top of me while trying to do yoga or whatever it might be. But um, I think that is such a big one and getting outside, especially now, you know, I can go eight hours just sitting right here yeah. and not even be out. And I'm like, oh my God, I've, I've, you know, I try to do at least like one call a day as a call and walk outside. Inevitably there's construction and sirens and whatever, but at least I'm out in the world and fresh air and, and things like that. I know are really important to me, um, but uh, I can feel the difference. I think my family can feel the difference. I think my Coworkers can when I don't do that. Um, and so the more I can remind myself of it, the better, not just for me personally, but for everyone around me. <laughs> yeah, put on your oxygen mask first type of situation, right? Exactly. It's so true. And I, I, I remind my kids of it where I'm like, I need, I need some time. I have to do this. And um, I think, you know, in the moment they might not love it, but they get it. Um, and, you know, they're learning it too, of like, this is an important part of it. So as a final question, I would just love to ask, is there one piece of advice that has really helped guide you through your life and your career that you could please share with us? Yes, this was uh, said to me by Matt Jarvis, who's a former CEO of 72 and Sunny. In a week where we had lost two of our biggest clients that represented 80% of our revenue at the time when we were you know, much smaller. And we were taught, I happened to work on on both of them. Um, And uh, we were trying to figure it out and talk about what we do. And I think I said something like, well, what about this? And he looked at me and he's like, oh, you still think we all know what we're doing? (laughs) I was like, yeah. He's like, no, 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 no one knows what they're doing. And so um, as simple as that sounds, I think I'd gone through a lot of my life thinking like, oh, all these people know this and they know that, or this person has kids older than me. They must know that better than I do. Yeah, they've had more experiences, but like we're all living this life right now for the first time in these roles doing this. So that constant reminder allows me to like just show up differently and less worried about like, okay, all the people know this and I don't know that, or how do I do that? So I try to just remind myself all the time of like, whether it's meeting with like a CEO from a client or a parent thing or whatever, like everyone's doing this for the first time. It's okay. (laughs) That's awesome advice. Evan, it's so wonderful to talk with you. Thank you so much. Thank you too. So good to see you, Katie.